0: <laughs> Let's get into the Word. If you would turn with me this morning to Mark's Gospel. And I hope this is not a distraction to you. I got, uh, at my age, it was sort of a, a blessing. You know, there, there are good things that can happen to you when you hit into your 70s. And, and one of them is you get these things in your eyes uh, that start to cloud your vision and everything. And finally, the doctors and the insurance companies will say, hey, you know what? We want to fix that. And I, OK, great, you know. So they went in and they removed all my cataracts and they put two brand new lenses in my eyeballs. And I got 20-20 vision for the first time since I was seven years old, you know. It's, just, it's, it's crazy. The only time I don't is when things are like right here. So I, I'm not trying to look smart uh, putting these on and taking them off. I, I hope it doesn't distract you, but I need it to read. So, um, Mark chapter 4, if you would stand with me, let's just read together the first nine verses. And then we'll try to get through this as quick as we can. Mark writes And again, he, Jesus, began to teach by the sea, and a great multitude was gathered to him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. I'm wondering, how many of you are planning on going to Israel with Pastor Dave? You're going you're to see this. You're, you're going to see how the Galilee is formed. And, uh, of course, it's changed a lot in the last 2,000 years. But uh, on the Galilee, there's, it, it goes out from the shore there a bit. And then it begins to rise And in many places on the Galilee, it forms a natural amphitheater. And Jesus could speak to multitudes of people by simply getting into a small fishing boat and resting right near the shore of the water, and people would gather together on the shore. And he could speak to literally hundreds of people never raising his voice as the winds would come in off the Galilee and carry his voice right to the people that are standing there by the shore. So, no, Jesus did not struggle with a lapel mic and feedback. <laughs> I'm hearing it right now, but uh, he, he never had to worry about that. And can you imagine just being there, and there's Jesus right in front of you, and he's beginning to teach these things. Verse 2, it says, He taught them uh, many things by parables, and said to them in his teaching, Listen. Behold, a sower went out to sow, and it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on the stony ground, where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away." And some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased, and produced, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. And he said to them, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And Lord, we are so thankful that we... Uh, have been invited and led by you to a group of people, Father, who look to you, who have been touched by your love, who have had their hearts opened to the truth of the gospel. And Lord, every time we gather together, we we open your word. But Lord, we, we recognize that we can sometimes simply read it and respond to it intellectually, or we may read it and be touched and have an emotional response to it. But Father, you've called us not to just hear the word, but to become doers of it. And so, Lord, we pray that you'd give us ears today to hear, not just intellectually, not just emotionally, but, Father, volitionally, what your word has to say to each and every one of us. And, Father, may we become doers of your word. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Jesus loved to teach in parables, and I'll be honest with you, when I first got saved and started reading the Gospels and I got to the parables... They didn't make a lot of sense to me. Did they make sense to you the first time you read them? I I found them difficult to bring any application out of them. And the reason is that Jesus designed the parables to be very, very simple. And the people that he was speaking to had no difficulty whatsoever understanding the message that Jesus was trying to get across. It was never an issue of understanding, but it was an issue of would they do what they knew Christ was teaching them. The parables really were, they they used very common everyday events and items that the people were all very familiar with. And as we look at this particular parable, it obviously has a great deal to do with agriculture, with with planting and sowing uh, the fruit of what was planted. The Jews of those days, they again would have absolutely no problem understanding the significance of this. Remember, they did not have food lion, They did not have Wegmans. They had none of the grocery stores that you and I have to go to to secure food for their families. They had to grow their own. They had to grow their own. They had to keep their own sheep. They had to keep a cow perhaps if they were able to, maybe even an oxen if they had, were were somewhat well to do to help clear the ground and and prepare it to receive the seed that would bring about a crop for them to feed their families. It was hard work, it was laborious work. The ground over there is not very friendly. Uh, It's very, very rocky. And as Jesus is speaking to them, again, he's speaking to people who know exactly what he's talking about. And he talks to them about four different types of soil. Now, follow along with me, if you would. Beginning in verse 10, it says, When he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parable, and he said to them, To you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, all things come in parables, so that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables. And again as you read that it might sound a little bit confusing it might sound as if the design of the parables or Jesus teaching was that people would hear and then not believe. No, just the opposite. Remember Jesus came and he came as what? The word of God become flesh. He came that God the Father through the life as well as the teaching of Jesus God could show to the world his nature, his love, his his humility, his servanthood, his wisdom, his power, all of the qualities that really make up the person and the nature of God. He always comes in a very simple way, and he uses simple individuals to share the message, why? The Apostle Paul told us God loves to use the foolish or those that are unappreciated, unschooled, he loves to use them to confound the wise. The message is incredibly simple and direct so that it never becomes an issue of the intellect, it becomes an issue of the heart. It becomes an issue of the will. People will not stand before the white throne judgment and deny Christ because they didn't understand. They will deny Christ because they will not have this man to rule over them. That's the issue. It's an issue of the heart, not the intellect. Issue of the heart, not the intellect. And so Jesus uses this idea of parables because he knows it eliminates from people the excuse of, I don't understand. I don't get it. Now, for us in our culture, there's some things we need to begin to understand. And fortunately, Jesus, as he explains this first parable, he opens up all the parables to us. One of the things as you read the parables Know that the pictures and the word types that he uses in them, they remain consistent all the way through all of the parables, and it will help you to understand them, and it will help keep you from coming to strange conclusions, all right? Simple, simple, simple. Jesus taught very simply, but he taught very profoundly, didn't he? I mean, he really spoke to people's hearts. As we get to this, notice verse 14. He begins to explain it. The sower sows the word. Okay, well now we know what the seed is. The seed is the word of God. All right? And he goes on from there and says, and these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately, takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These, likewise, are the ones sown on stony ground, who, when they hear themselves and uh, so endure only for a time, or excuse me, when they hear the word immediately, they receive it with gladness, verse 17, and they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time. afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word accept it and bear fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. Very simple illustration, isn't it? A farmer, a homeowner, he needs to plant grain to provide for his family. And he goes outside of his home and he begins to look at the soil. And he says, You know, sometimes you run into soil and it's just all beaten down and it's hard as a rock. Maybe it is just rocky. And as you go out, you begin to spread the seed. And they would spread the seed by just going back and forth across the land as they walked. And some of that seed would hit good soil. Some of that seed would hit soil filled with thorns. Some of that seed would hit shallow soil. And some of that seed would just hit the rocky areas around your property where people would travel and walk and the animals would would make their way. And as the seed hit that stony ground, of course, the fowl of the air would come in and just eat the seed away. It would accomplish nothing for you. We already know that the seed is what? The Word of God. And sometimes a heart can be just like that. We can sit through Bible studies. We can even have our own personal devotional time. And we read it, but once we're done and once the service is over, we walk away and we can't even remember what we heard. It's not an issue of the intellect and it's not too much wax up in the ears. (laughs) It becomes really an issue of the heart. It becomes an issue of the heart. I can remember uh, years ago, after I had been pastoring for some time and teaching Bibles for some time, Bible studies for some time, uh, going and teaching at different events where younger men coming up would also have an opportunity to teach. And boy, did God have to deal with my heart because I would sit in the Bible study and rather than listening for the voice of God to speak to me, I would be sitting there wondering, you know, okay, what commentary did he read? How much prayer time did he put in? Is he really rightly dividing this thing? Could he have said it better? Could he have left this out? Should he have added this? And the Holy Spirit really had to come and deal with me. Who are you listening to? Are you just listening to a man? Is your heart so hard, so hard that my spirit can't speak to you? And I had to answer, yes, sir. It's true, Lord. And we can be like that too. And I think that the Lord wants to just warn us. As it says in Proverbs chapter 4, take heed to your heart. Watch your heart. Watch what affects it. Watch what you let into it. Watch what you allow to get close to you and influence you. Does it soften your heart for the things of God or does it Begin to create within you a hardness against the things of God. Be careful of that. Take heed to your heart, Proverbs 4.23, because from it comes forth the issues of life. It all begins way down in here. Have you got ears to hear what the Spirit's saying to you this morning? I had to have ears to hear as the Spirit challenged me and convicted me of that. The second is uh, the seed planted on stony ground in verse 16 where uh, it talks about they hear the word and they immediately receive it with gladness. Uh, the problem with this soil in Israel, there sometimes if the winds come in from the east, it brings in the dust and the sand from the desert regions east of Israel. And it begins to cover over the soil and the stone that's there. And it comes in, it's very shallow. And if if somebody goes out and begins to spread the seed there, it might take root right away, but the root won't get deep enough and won't get to a place where water is available to it. And it'll spring up but as soon as the winds come or the sun beats down on it, it will wither and it will die. And we can be like that as well. We can come to church, we can read our Bibles, have our devotional time, and we can read something in the scripture or hear something from the scripture that really excites us, it really speaks to us and it challenges us, and, and we affirm within it, boy, that's true, that's true. Man, that was, that was a good word, Pastor. You really you are on fire today, you know. And then we walk away and we don't do anything with it. Because We're caught up in the things of life. We have families to care for. We have careers to pursue. We have football games we have to watch. We we have meals to go to. We have fellowship to have with other people. And rather than taking the time to just kind of let the Word of God really seek to, to come in and penetrate our heart, we just receive it and we walk away. We don't do anything with it. It perishes. Jesus says, that's a stony heart. That's a heart that is stony. The third heart, if you go down a little bit further with me, in verse 18, it says, Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world. The deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. You know, there are people within the church that to them, their Christianity is just one more tool in the box to gain success in life. If you're a Christian, God's going to prosper you. If you follow the Lord, he's going to heal you. If, if you follow the Lord and really seek him, he's going to bring the right spouse to you. He's going to bring the right job to you. He's going to bless you in a lot of ways. And what happens is rather than really being concerned about Jesus and your relationship with Jesus, you become more concerned about what Jesus might give to you. And the cares for those things can begin to choke out the word of God that the Holy Spirit wants to enrich your life with and build your faith with. Be careful of it. Why do we cherish the promises of God? because it gives God an opportunity to honor himself, glorify himself by blessing people like you and me? Or do we love the promises of God simply because of what it does for us? Motivation. Take heed to your heart. And believe me, I'm preaching at me (laughs) here this morning first. Take heed to your heart, for from it comes forth the issues of life. In fact, it comes out of our mouth, doesn't it? Jesus said, from the abundance of the heart, what happens? The mouth speaks. It, it Sooner or later, it escapes, no matter how careful and thoughtful we might be. All it takes is the right circumstance, the right situation, the right word spoke to us, and boy, our heart comes out, and sometimes my heart can be very, very ugly. Finally, though, He talks about the good ground in verse 20. These are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word, they accept it, and they bear fruit. Some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. And this really becomes an important issue because Jesus tells us how important it is. He, He was talking about being able to discern the difference between just those who profess faith in him but don't really follow him, don't really trust him, or those who do have a genuine faith in him and have really surrendered their life to him. He says, listen, you will know my disciples by what? Their fruit. And the fruit of the Spirit is what? The very nature of God. The nature of God is love. It's that pure, sacrificial, other-serving, other-concerned, other-centered Devotion to seeking the best for that individual. And when we're really being impressed by the word of God, when we're really surrendered to being those who do the word of God, not just hear it, the Holy Spirit changes our heart and gives us the ability to respond to that word, and it's always motivated by God's love for us, and his love so overwhelms us, it flows out from us, right? When you meet somebody that just is a loving person it's because the love of God is just flooding them. And that's the way we're all to be. Jesus said they will know you are my disciples not by your doctrine. He said they will know you are my disciples by the love that you have one for another. That's what's going to set us apart. And I I'm I'm really encouraged because to me this this part of the body of Christ is a very loving part of the body of Christ. I've been in others where that can't be said. But here, I mean, anybody that walks through the door, if they don't feel loved and accepted and encouraged to seek a relationship with God, it's because they're not listening. They're they're not looking for that. This is a great part of the body of Christ. It's interesting... You know, the three times in this short passage, uh, first in verse 9, he says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And then again, if you look over in verse 23, he says, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And then in verse 24, he kind of changes it up a little bit. and He says, take heed what you hear. But he's really focused on the disciples learning to be discerning about what they allow themselves to be exposed to, what they take in through their ears, and learning to be discerning about it. First, let the Word of God have its full work done in you. Be careful of your heart. Take heed to your heart. And be aware in your own heart the situations, the circumstances, the pursuits in your life that might tend to harden it so the Word of God can't get in? Or when your heart, just through a lack of attention to it, it it becomes shallow, and you might hear the Word, recognize the Word, even appreciate the Word, but you can't do anything with it. It has no root in you. Or or maybe you've allowed other things to come into your life. Important things. There are all kinds of important things that can distract us from the greatest important thing, and that's to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We all have to battle with that. Keep your priorities in line with God's priorities for you because God's got a great plan for every single one of you. And God loves every single one of you equally. And God has gifted every single one of you. And God has a mission field out there that he's designed for you and he's prepared you for it. Enjoy it, right? But be careful about this. And he seems to to bring together this idea of having a right heart, but also being careful about what you hear. Right? Being discerning about what you allow to come in to your heart. And I'd like for us to close by turning, if you would, to Exodus. Seems like a strange, strange cross-reference, but I, I hope it will make sense to you, and I hope it will bless you. Exodus chapter 21. How do I guarantee that my ear is going to be discerning and is going to be open to the truth of God's Word and the work of His Spirit to keep my heart right? How do I do that? And I think there's an illustration in the Old Testament that will help us better understand how that can be accomplished. Look with me at the first few verses of Exodus 21. Now these are the judgments which you shall set before them. The Lord speaking to Moses, and Moses to share these things now with the Jewish people. Verse 2 If you buy a Hebrew servant, he shall serve six years, and in the seventh, he shall go out free and pay nothing. If he comes in by himself, he shall go out by himself. If he comes in married, then his wife shall go out with him. If his master has given him a wife and she has borne him sons or daughters, uh, the wife and her children shall be her masters and he shall go out by himself. But, please notice with me here, if the servant plainly says, I love my master, my wife, and my children, I will not go out free. Then his master shall bring him to the judges. He shall also bring him to the door. Or to the doorpost, and his master shall pierce his ear with an awl, and he shall serve him forever. Do you, do you see the relationship? What what set this servant apart? It, in that culture, if you if you uh, incurred a debt towards somebody, and you owed them a great sum of money you could enter into a contract with them to work for them for a period of time to pay that debt off. And evidently, this servant that's being spoken of here had done just that. When he got to the end of the contract and the debt was paid off, the servant said to himself, you know, this has really been a pretty good job. This master has been a good master. He's been fair to me. In fact, I love my master. And, you know, because I love my wife and I love my children, and because of this master, I've been able to provide for myself, my wife, and my children. I'm going to see if I can't enter into a permanent contract with this master. And so he would go to the master and he would say, you know what? I don't want to leave. I want to continue to work. I want to be your servant for life. And the master would take him to the doorpost of the house and he would pierce his ear and then he would put a ring in there that signified this servant now is my property. And the servant would willingly stay there and serve that master forever. Now think of it. If a servant had done that, do you think the master would have any problem in trusting him, speaking to him, revealing his heart to him, loving him in response, taking care of him, taking care of his wife, taking care of his children, being sure he had everything necessary to succeed? If you want to have ears to hear What our Master wants to say to you personally. It's an issue of the heart. Jesus said, if you are willing to do, then you will know. If your heart is open, Lord, whatever you want, that's what I surrender to. Lord, I want to serve you. I want my family to serve you. I want my friends to serve you and come under your protection, your provision, and your leadership. Lord, take me to your doorpost. Pierce my ear and put the ring of a servant in it. And Lord, I will follow you all the days of my life. Will you do that this morning? He's a great, great master to serve. Anything he will ask of you, he has already endured himself. And every task he will ever require of you, he's already provided for you to succeed and be blessed in it. He's a good master, isn't he, Pastor Dave? (laughs) It's such a joy to serve him. And we just want to thank you for how you have served him to support David's heart for missions. Support my heart for missions in the prisons. You have been so faithful and we are so thankful. Now, we want to encourage you. God's got something for you. It's probably outside of your comfort zone. But it will give you an opportunity to discover just how great and awesome and faithful our God is. Just stand with me and we'll pray? No, we're not going to pray. I'll tell you what we're going to do. <laughs> yeah, let's do push-ups. <laughs> in the Old Testament, some of you already know this, there's a, a portion in Numbers chapter 6 where God gives to the priests the commission to bless the people of God and to place his name on them. It's a great blessing. And years ago, somebody put it to music, so I'm going to try to sing it to you. Please, please, please have mercy, and if you know it, (laughs) sing along with me. And uh, uh, ladies, you can echo even in this thing, so you can follow my wife. She knows where that echo is. And so it goes like this. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. And then the scripture says, and thus you shall place my name on my people. Go in the name of Jesus. God bless you.